1: To join the fan club, go to patreon.com forward slash cobblers to me. For our 50th episode, we did ask for a win, Keith.
2: Brain again, and he's got it! Gavin was closing in, oh, Gavin has scored! Abdul Osman against Brad Jones to put Liverpool out of the cup and not that's a three! Yes! Yes! And to the... Get
1: Hello Cobblers fans, that's right, the bunting's out, the beer is in the fridge and Neil is in his birthday suit. We've made it to 50 episodes and we're proud to be the number one Cobblers supporting podcast on the internet. If you're tuning into our show for the first time, well it's lovely to have you on the old duck. My name is Charles and I share this audible delight with fellow Northampton fans Chessie, Danny and Neil. Happy 50th everyone.
0: Hey.
3: yeah. I've got some uh, caterpillar cake Charles. Do you want have some? you? Yeah. I'd
1: love some, please. Can uh, I have the head? Do you want the
3: head or the backside?
1: No, definitely the head, please. The head. All right, I'll save you
3: the head. Danny, have you got any birthday Bourbons knocking around? I've got some Christmas bourbon, but I'm not allowed to open it yet until um, the uh, Christmas Coke advert comes on.
1: <laughs> <laughs> be, next, be ne- next
3: week. Second yeah. week in November yeah. that happens.
1: Does it? Yeah. Uh, Welcome to the Coca Cola advert podcast. I Other I drinks are available <laughs> Pepsi, Mountain Dew, Carabao, Tango. Coming up on this week's show, we announce our September Goal and Player of the Month awards. Hear from Scunthorpe journalist Paul about our upcoming visit to Kevin Van Veen's at Scunthorpe United and find out at which point Chessie realised making the six hour drive to watch the Leighton Orient game was a massive mistake.
2: I'm Nicky Adams. And it's all Cobblers to me.
1: We start, as always, with a look at the last game the Cobblers played. This week, that was a pretty awful result at home to Leighton Orient. The day started well with a fantastic tribute to former Cobblers and Orient boss Justin Edinburgh, but then the wheels well and truly fell off. Keith Kerr was forced into making two changes as Charlie Goo was sick and Jordan Turnbull was suspended having picked up five yellow cards already. Into the side came Harry Smith and Reese Hall Johnson, while Alan McCormack was named on the bench for the first time since recovering from his injury. So guys, where do we begin,
0: eh? The final whistle was was good. Oh, oh really? Yeah. That was enjoyable. <laughs> <I'm> struggling <laughs> struggling for any the, so the so positives. So I mean so I so mean so so be, to
4: be me. to be fair, the only the only the only positive for me was the pod meet up at, at half time.
0: Um, true. That was, That's true. Yeah, that was nice. It was
4: about it the it was rather. about
0: the only positive wasn't it?
4: Yeah, there was nothing. there was just it was just it was the most frustrating thing I think I have ever seen. It just was so alarming to see that with just the lack of two players how we completely and utterly imploded. There was no sense of tactics, there was no sense of um, game plan, there was no formation. I said to Neil actually when I saw him at, at half-time, you couldn't see a back line in our defence. There was, there was no formation, there was no shape, there was absolutely nothing at all in that game. That, at all. Is
1: that what you put it down to then, Chessie, the fact that Good and Turnbull were missing?
4: Yeah, but that that is a massive worry because if we are that reliant on two players, it shows just the complete lack of depth in our squad. And if you cannot get a squad with more than 11 players that are match ready and match fit and able to step into that role seamlessly, then you have a massive fundamental problem with recruitment at your club. And I honestly believe that we are at a point now where if we lose key players we are going to be in an absolute world of trouble. It, it was so concerning to watch because it it there was just nothing. I cannot I cannot even remember a single passage of play where we put the ball on the floor and we moved and we played for more than 10 seconds.
1: Uh, Danny, we've not really heard from you yet. Um, Are you feeling exactly the same way?
0: He's still asleep from Saturday.
3: (laughs) I left early, Charles, um, and it's the first time I've left early for a very long time. You left early? Well, with about five minutes left, yeah. No, about injury time. I think just as the board went up for injury time, I left. Because um, honestly, for the first time in a long, long time, I haven't cared if we were equalised. And that really annoyed me and made me sad coming back. I was like, I don't even care if we right now because we haven't played well. We're, there's nothing about the performance was screaming, you know, we deserve an equaliser. I thought Orient came and set up really well. They, they saw our weaknesses and exploited them straight away. They've come and done a job on us. And I just didn't, I don't know, I just didn't feel... The same as I have before, as if thinking, like, "Oh, come on, let's get an equalizer because I don't feel feel like we deserved it." Um, yeah, it's just an awful game altogether, wasn't it? From start to finish, it wasn't like there was even patches. Like Chessie was saying, there was no patches of the game where we thought we might get we might take the lead or we might get back into it, from what I remember. Um, and yeah, it, it wasn't just the defence that it, it, um, it affected. Good and Turnbull being out was it? It was affected the entire starting lineup. And not that that's an excuse, but I think, it, as Chessie was saying, it really exposes us to a lack of squad depth and that lack of
1: leadership. Once one or two people come out, and it's a massive concern. I've actually seen on social media over the last couple of days a real split, a real divide. It seems in the fan base um, for a change. There's those that are <laughs> yeah for a change. There are those that are definitely on the you know the, the proper defeatist um, almost I don't want to use the word depressing it's not a nice word to use but everyone's very doom and gloom about this side about the club and as a whole Um, but you have got others that are actually they seem more annoyed at the fact that people are being negative I must say it is difficult not to be negative when you turn up and watch a game of football that You know, I I wasn't there, but you guys are clearly, clearly unhappy with what you saw on Saturday, and I would just, I was just so happy that I wasn't there, even, even for the podcast meetup. I'm sorry, guys, but I kind of look at it and just go, the result was clearly, you know, a dreadful one. The performance sounds like it was, it was next to awful, Um, and you know, a three hundred and Fifty mile round trip for me. Just yeah, no thanks. I'm quite glad I missed it.
4: I think the thing is, um, the thing, the reason I think the mentality and the negativity has come to the forefront this weekend in the killer is because when we, when the team was announced at two o'clock, and we said this as a podcast, didn't we? When that team was announced at two o'clock, we all knew we were going to lose. That effectively, the, the game was won before we got on the pitch. And that's the rooted problem that we've got at the club at the moment is the fact that we know, as fans, as soon as that team sheet comes out at 2 o'clock, if we've not got certain players in our squad, we lose that game. There was absolutely no chance that we were going to win that game with that squad on that pitch on Saturday. And that I think that's where that comes from.
0: Do you agree, Neil? Uh, yeah. Well, it was... It was demoralising on Saturday is how I'd describe it. It was because we had those couple of good performances and then we were lucky against um Crawley at home and then we bottled it a bit at Morecambe away. Um, but we were unbeaten in four. Nothing, not a great long run to shout about, I guess, but five, five, Neil. five, was it? Sorry, five. Um, And there was nothing on Saturday. Honestly, there was. Usually, I I, I do come away, even if we've been poor. There's usually a positive from somewhere. But honestly, I couldn't think of one positive. And it's pretty concerning. I mean, Keith Curran in his post match interview, he he mentioned the fact that Charlie Gould rang in sick or rang the sick line um, at ten am Saturday morning, and he mentioned it about four hundred and seventeen times. And look, these things happen. And that shouldn't have that big an impact on on the team or the squad. You should have someone ready to step up and step in and stuff. And it wasn't working in the first half, the formation he was playing. It was not working at all. You could see that relatively quickly. Um, and he didn't change it until about, I don't know, it must have been about 60 minutes, I think, 65 minutes.
4: It was it was seventy because I text I text I text Sean and said he just made a triple substitution. It was 70 minutes, 70
0: minutes. and, and even those changes were were quite frankly ridiculous. Um, I mean, it, it, there was a chorus of boos when when it, when Andy Williams's number went off, um, which I understand fully. I, I think you know you're losing a game one nil, you're going from having two people up front, albeit one of those is Harry Smith, um, to to only have him one up front after the substitutions, which is Verdane Oliver. And Verdane Oliver, he, he he actually wins a lot of flick-ons and he wins a lot of the ball. The problem is whenever Verdane Oliver's on the pitch, it's usually only him up front. So it's not, It's I, I don't understand what his think his thought process was. And I don't, I, it just looked like we were resigned to defeat, that there was no real urgency. I'd, I'd, I'd maybe say maybe apart from Nicky Adams in the second half a little bit, he he seemed to, to have a bit of a driving force and urgency about his game. But I mean, the midfield was bypassed consistently. Um, Chris Lyons and, and Sean McWilliams couldn't get into the game at all. Um, I thought the fullbacks had relatively poor games. Har- Harriman was, was caught out a fair few times. Um, Joe Martin, I'm I'm not entirely sure what he brings. He's, he's, he's actually, I don't think he's any real difference to, to David Buchanan. Um, apart from he's taller. I'm um, I, I, I struggling to see any difference there. He doesn't offer much going forward. Um, he's steady Eddie at best uh, at defending. Um, I, I don't really see the point of... of should have just kept Buchanan, um, although I, I, you know, I dislike him. But um, I, I don't know. There was just nothing there on, on Saturday. And, and like Danny said, even if we'd have equalised, it would have just masked a whole lot of problems. And I know we we hit the post. Uh, Wharton had a shot that was kind of exciting, I guess, but it was straight at the keeper, relatively easy save. There was just nothing and it It was, I don't know, it's just, it felt like a couple of big steps backwards.
1: Danny, what about the other two substitutions? Neil's talked about Williams coming off for for Dane. Um, You weren't happy with the triple substitution on Saturday. I seem to remember seeing a, a rather angry message in our WhatsApp group. Danny was out of his
0: seat. Apoplectic, I think, was the word, Charles. He was. I had a glance round. <laughs> I'd throw my arms in the air in disgust at what he was doing. Yeah,
4: I saw that from the east <laughs> stand as well. I saw that from the east I'd stand. I'd thrown
0: my arms in air. i turn around. Danny's off his chair, gesticulating towards the bench. I'd almost thrown my son in the air. <laughs>
4: <laughs> <laughs> <all> right, <laughs> um,
3: yeah. Apoplectic is the word, Charles. I'll say, I'll say it again for effect. Um, who was it? McWilliams came off. I don't. Know. I don't think we got enough out of McWilliams. He, he just. He was pushed back, wasn't he? He was the best player on the park against Crawley, but he was pushed back into a more reserved spot in midfield, and he just wasn't being effective as he could have been if he just stayed in that number ten position mm. uh, where Smith was standing, perhaps sometimes. Um, so he came off. Who else came on? It was War Warburton. Uh, Warburton
4: and McCann and, McCormack. and McCormack. Yeah, I Yeah.
3: Mean, yeah, it was it was the Williams one that had me. Um, you just why are we taking
0: off our top scorer when we're one 0 down at home? It's if, if, just if bizarre, you actually, isn't it? If you look at the, the substitutions, yeah, it's ridiculous. If you look at the substitutions he made, if you, and if you go by BBC lineups, then Warburton came on for McWilliams. Now that's almost a like for like, really, because McWilliams is playing further forward, I guess, um, but maybe maybe Warburton's slightly more attacking. Oliver came on for Williams, so that's like for like. McCormack, who's a defensive midfielder, came on for a striker. We're 1-0 down.
3: Yeah, he's basically taken two forwards off and replaced them with one, hasn't he? And What's he doing? I mean, maybe he thinks Warburton's more of an attacking player, but he didn't play like that. I mean, the thing that annoyed me the most was we're 1-0 down with 20 minutes to go and we're still, every free kick, every corner, there's 11 men behind the ball. Yeah. And it. It's baffling to me.
4: I think as well, also, on that point of the substitutions, Andy Williams' role on the pitch was completely disabled by Harry Smith because everything that was put forward to our front line on Saturday, the midfield was bypassed. It went straight to Harry Smith, who failed to preempt any ball that went to him and just ended up getting thrown to the floor or throwing himself to the floor in an attempt to win a penalty or a free kick. So when Williams came up, when he made the substitutions, it would have made more sense. I mean, lots of things would have made more sense on Saturday, but it would have made more sense to keep Andy Williams on and mobilise that position that he's in, because he is so good up front, but he couldn't use that on Saturday because of Harry Smith being in the position he was. Because Harry Smith, unfortunately, doesn't bring what he needs to bring to the front line. So... Unfortunately, Williams was completely and utterly disabled by the position that Harry Smith was playing off. And I think had Andy Williams stayed on the pitch when that substitution was made, we'd have made more progress. Why he took him off, I have absolutely no idea, because that was our only real um, hope of, of getting the ball into the penalty area. But they still just lumped it forward and it ended up going out for... A goal kick. I just, I, I just. Has he, has he ever everything. played
0: for Dane Oliver and Andy Williams up front together?
4: No, but why not as well? It,
0: make, it makes no sense because Andy Williams, he, he is one of those strikers that does know where and when to make a run. Mm-hmm. And, exactly, and he's not an out and out goal scorer, isn't he? He's, yeah,
3: he's got that kind of old school. I'm going to finish a chance, kind of thing, isn't he? Yeah,
0: and Smith was look. He, Smith was crap on Saturday, wasn't he? He was atrocious. You I,
4: can't, and the thing is, you can't even sugarcoat it. You're 100 percent right now.
0: You can't. Yeah, it he was. He was, was basically a, a tree, wasn't he? It was a tree. What else did I say? A human bollard. I saw him compared to. <laughs> um, Numerous different things to give him a, a little bit. I mean, he was he was manhandled a lot during the game, and he, he didn't get
4: rubbish, absolutely rubbish. rubbish. Yeah, but
3: because I, so I saw someone said that was like he, he went, he got brought down for penalty. It was like, why is he being brought down? Yeah, like, how was he? How's he letting himself get in a position where? Well, he's that, that's, that's, like, the that's the problem. That's the problem. It's it's modern
1: modern football, Danny. That's that's what that is because he's looking for the foul. That's 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 why a player can't even that time goes down. Look, that's I, I was not going to really get it, isn't it? I know. I, I, look, I want to talk about Harry Smith a little bit more, actually. Um, do we Are so, you sure? Yes, I'm sure. <laughs> right. James Hennigan, friend of the podcast, Chronicle and Echo Hennigan. reporter. Good golfer. Indeed. He, on his um, uh, match review and ratings, gave Harry Smith a five. Okay, for his match rating against Leighton Orient. But these are the words that that James actually wrote about Harry Smith and his performance. More than what? It says, tough tough day, but the criticism he receives is unfair. His presence tempts cobblers into playing too long too early, and there's only so much he can do with aimless punts. Nice touch and pass to Hoskins. Danny, behave. Nice touch and pass to Hoskins almost yielded the opener. So that's what James Hennigan had to say. And then Aaron Watson on Twitter retweeted it saying, couldn't have put it better myself. And I know I'll most likely get backlash off this tweet for going against most fans' opinions on him. But at this point, I really don't give a <clears throat> the negativity from a lot of our fans at the minute is actually unreal.
0: Well, if Aaron's happy to be 14th in (laughs) League Two with 15 points after 12 games and five points away from the playoffs and performing atrociously at home to Leighton Orient, then so be it. I'm not happy with that. Okay, what about what James Hennigan said?
4: I disagree with what James Hennigan said.
0: Ooh, go on, Jeffy.
4: So I disagree with what James Hennigan said on the basis that my interpretation of Harry Smith from what I've seen, I haven't seen very much, So my opinion, yeah, I mean, my opinion might not be the strongest. So feel free to disagree with what I say. But I feel like Harry Smith does not uh, read the game well enough. He isn't able to get himself into space and move before the ball gets to him. He waits and anticipates the ball and then it's too late. I mean, I remember when we were struggling last year, Shea Facey did the same. He would just wait for the ball to arrive at his feet. And then by that point, it's too late. And and the attack or, or the defence, whichever position you're playing in, is completely nullified by the opposition. And I think for Harry Smith to really achieve as a footballer, he needs to start working out and reading the game and where that ball's going to and what space he needs to move into because he's getting found out, out by average defenders. And if you're getting found out by average defenders in poor League Two sides, then you're never ever going to do anything. It ha- you have to be able to move into space and time your runs right to get what you need to do. And he's not doing that.
0: Is it any surprise? Any of this out of interest? As a as a question, it's not like he's you know torn up trees elsewhere, and it's not like he's. Been a world beater for other teams or anything. He he's he's not got a he's not got an illustrious ke- career behind him. He's a he was a bit of a punt, wasn't he? Probably I'd suggest based off that one good game we saw him have against us at Sixfields. I thought before he signed, I thought he was a lot more mobile than he, than he is. But are you basing that off that
1: one game that he played against us?
3: No, I'm basing it off his um, show. Oh, yes.
1: <laughs> <club>. <laughs> okay, fair point. I mean, the thing the thing for me is that you've got to remember that, you know, the club will have, hopefully, have, have had all the signings that were made watched on more than one or two occasions before they agreed to actually go and try and sign them. Now, it might be a case that with budget reductions or with just, you know, having to overhaul the squad by such a degree that what, what, Keith Curl had to do in the summer is maybe go for players that he wasn't necessarily thinking you'll be here for the long term. Remember, Chris Wilder did that. Um when he first came in. He signed players that essentially he knew were stop gaps. He he signed players that were designed to basically make sure that we could stay up. He signed Emil Sinclair, for example. He was it's never going to adult. use he was it's never bad. going to use him in the mm-hmm. long term. He you know, Wilder said as much after Sinclair had gone. You know, two, meet, two, two minutes later.
3: I think that was a bit more. That's a little bit different, though, I think, with him because that was a January yeah. signing, wasn't it? And that was a more of a let's. That was literally okay, a, but there were was, other examples yeah. as well.
1: Um, Gregor Robinson, who now writes, uh, is, is now a journalist and writes for lots of different. He was good. magazines. Yeah, he was good. However, he even said at the time that, or said said after he'd retired that, you know, Chris Wilder signed him. On the basis of, you know, look, you're you're a league you're a League Two player. I think he'd signed him from being in League One where he'd not been getting game time maybe. Um, and, and you know, he was basically told, Come down to League Two and, and and we'll give you game time and we'll play you. And yes, he was good, but when it came to the renewal of his contract, Wilder didn't see him as a long time op- long term option. So I'm Charles, just wondering whether is doing the same thing.
0: I got uh, well, you're wrong. Okay. <laughs> because i understand your argument if we if the 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 summer window just gone was a january window and we were in a relegation battle but this was his his chance to put his own stamp on the team and his chance to buy players for the long term with a with a plan and so so signing stopgap players would make no sense at all um uh, so yeah you're wrong on that one mate um, well,
1: what, what about what about in terms of the finances? Then you you cannot maybe go and afford to get every single position covered with your number one target, not all in one go, especially with the way that, that the club has had to have been actually brought back into line with the wage budget for League Two. Maybe that's yeah, no, I- that's, that's 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 probably more of the point that I was trying to make: is that it's a financial restraint. Rather than uh, okay, fine, you know, like you're saying there, there were January signings and and they were stop gaps, but maybe he's had to plug the holes with players who aren't his first choice.
0: Well, maybe he has, but I mean, he's not done a good job of it, has he? And we get we we were, we've got told that the budget is in line with you know the the same competitiveness as when we when we got promoted from this league and won the league, which was top six ish, wasn't it, top eight ish, and. Keith Cale's never once mentioned anything about budget. He said there's a bit of housekeeping to do and stuff, which we all knew about, didn't we? With with the likes of Van Veen and Crooks on board and stuff that we had to ship out, etc., and all that sort of stuff. But I just don't know what his plan is anymore, Keith Cole, because he he gave it all Billy Big bollocks, didn't he? About you know look, it's my team. We're going to play exciting attacking football. The youth's going to get a chance. None of the youth are even getting a look in. And at the moment, I'd I'd have Scott Pollock over Matt Warburton as an option.
3: That also that ties into the whole. Why on earth are we letting Jay Williams go out on loan? Um, When I mean, it's easy to say in hindsight because we're only now realizing that he could have just come in and plugged the hole at the weekend. But it seems an odd decision to me to not have backup for Turnbull and Good because he could have played in either of those positions from what I've seen of him. And I'd also argue
0: as well. Sorry, Danny. um, I'd also argue who have our best players been this season. Charlie Good, Jordan Turnbull, Andy Williams, yeah.
4: mm-hmm. Sam I Hoskins. About, I was just about to say Sam Hoskins. So, yeah,
0: potentially yes. Mm-hmm. Sam so Hoskins. Be, kind of, and and that Di Cornell for me as well. Joking with so, Daniel Yeah. yeah right. It, yeah. So all of those players were with us last season.
4: That's an excellent point, mm-hmm. and I think as well on that point, Neil, we need to remember that Harry Smith is not the only poor player in this squad.
0: Absolutely, and yeah, I think
4: absolutely. he is—he is taking an awful lot of the flack, Maybe rightly so because he is massively underperforming, but he's not the only one, and he is also only a human being. So we need to be very careful as fans—not—not not on the podcast necessarily, but just as a fan base—that actually he's taken a lot of flack for eleven players, and he is not the only one that is—is is really disappointing regularly. He's not the only one.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: No, he's not. You're right.
3: I'm not. I'm not completely convinced by Harryman yet.
0: What um, the best left, the best right-back um, in the league? The best full-back uh, yeah, in the league? <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we looked at the team sheet, didn't we? We were, we were all like, oh, saw Johnson's in there. You know, we had the usual... He wasn't
4: that him. bad. He I'm, wasn't
3: I, that I, bad. I he, he did it. all right. I know. He had a decent game and I thought he he made some good interceptions and good blocks and stuff. I mean, Harryman just got absolutely taken to town <laughs> to pieces on the uh, by... Um, was it was Broker, it Brophy, yeah. Who scored their goal every, every time. Just it's one of the ginger They had a few, didn't they. Yeah. Yeah, um, he just had him. He had him on toast every time, didn't he? And just, yeah, I'm, I'm not convinced by him yet. But I think on the negative thing, I, I, it's easy to kind of jump into the whole negative thing again. But I think we have an eleven, and I think the eleven is okay and it's decent and it can challenge because we've seen that from the last few weeks of keeping the same team and showing some signs of progress. And I don't think we should forget that. But it's this game has really highlighted the fact that we haven't got much in terms of backup.
1: Okay, right. Let's leave that bit there then. We'll obviously come back to um, where we think the team is heading when we preview our next game against Scunthorpe.
0: I'm Chris Hargreaves and it's all Cobblers to me. Danny? Yeah. Have you ever coached a football team? I uh, can't say I have, no. Jesse. Yep. Have you ever been the national team manager for a country no one has ever heard of? Definitely not. Well, Cobblers fan Justin Wally has and he's written a book all about it one football, no nets is available to buy on Amazon. Just go to amazon.co.uk and search "One football, no nets." It's a great read, and you'll be supporting a fellow cobbler's fan at the same time.
1: Paperback copies of One Football, No Nets are available for twelve ninety nine plus postage and packaging, whilst Kindle editions are just eight pounds ninety nine. Postman Neil. Postman Neil. Postman Neil. is black and white cat
0: lots and lots of views on the post bag this week and as you can well imagine they're all entirely positive <laughs> are we ready to dive deep into the bag guys oh i'm diving diving speedos first speedos first first off actually which I, I thought was an interesting comment this is from 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 someone called luke on twitter he's, hi luke hi luke um he's he's not a northampton fan um So no doubt he won't be listening (laughs) to this podcast. Um, (laughs) uh, But he said he was... Never liked him anyway. (laughs) He was at the game on Saturday and he said a shocking performance in general. Um, But the Dane Oliver really made the difference when he came on, when everything in the air. What do we think?
3: He didn't completely make the difference, did he? No. I mean, making the difference would mean he equalised or something, but um, I I can kind of see where it's coming from. But Yeah. Must try harder, Luke. I'm not not completely having that.
0: We've got one from Alexander Hoggard, uh, brother of Matthew, the famous cricketer. Uh, He says... How's that? He he says, a positive for me was Alan McCormack. He seemed to show a lot of passion and fight when he came on and tried to make a difference. (laughs) I think he would be very useful.
4: (laughs) I don't think passion's the word.
0: Jesse, you should tell your your angry story. (laughs)
4: Yeah, I, I mean, I can't, but I'll tell it in so much words. Um, he, Michael Harriman was on the side of the touchline. He went to take a throw-in. And back in lead Two. A, yeah. ca- according to Ian McCormack, it was far too slow. And twinned with many, many he's, he's, expletives... He's, he's, he's <laughs> Ian McCormack. Ian,
1: McCormack! Ian McCormack,
4: sorry, Alan McCormack. <laughs> oh. What? Um, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Right, so he, McCormack was in no uncertain terms, basically told Michael Harriman that he was taking far too long. But the language used right in front of the East End was rather colourful, shall we say.
3: Did he say, what the fork are you doing?
4: Uh, Yeah, and a bit
0: more. (laughs) He
1: he moved on to spoons.
0: Hey, who doesn't love a good fork and spoon? Um, Right, anyway, we've got uh, one from Ian Townsend on Twitter. Hi Ian, Uh, who says Bars and Melody were shite Um, Bars and Melody I believe they're of Britain's Got Talent fame, so I suggest Ian has blanked out the actual football and just concentrating on Britain's Got Talent Uh, Mm. Matt on Twitter says I have no words Uh, He had a couple Um, Yes Dan Clark on the Twitter said, When Harry Head-on-a-Stick-Smith is in the starting 11, you know it's going to be anti-football hoofball. Lines of McWilliams non-existent as a result. RHJ, not a centre-half, but that's not his fault. Harryman far from the best fullback in the league. Does anyone remember Joe Martin, by the way?
1: Uh, yes, he's our left-back.
0: Is he? One of the more interesting tweets we had after Saturday's game was from Ian Thompson. <laughs> Hi, Ian. Hi Ian. Um so you can I'm find old. him on Twitter at the Cobbler nineteen seventy two, which suggests he was born in nineteen
1: seventy two. Um or he's just he, a big fan of the nineteen seventy-five three years early.
3: Or he was the first Ian, or not the sorry, the one thousand nine hundred and seventy second uh the cobbler. I'm, I'll be honest, daddy,
1: you should have worked that out beforehand.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, back to Ian. He he's he's calling out Charlie Good, uh, and he says if Charlie Good had any guts, he would have played today. I don't care what illness it is. Players, and especially skippers, back then would not back down from matches, even if they were injured or ill stricken. As a team leader, he should have played. That's what I'm saying.
1: I think if Charlie Good did indeed have some guts, he might have played. Yes, the fact that his guts seemingly were all over the floor might suggest a reason why he didn't.
4: And also, as well, right. So if he's going to suggest that, does he want that one of them put his boots on next Saturday when the whole entire squad have got Neurovirus or whatever illness he had? Do you know what I mean? Like use your common sense. Like he's clearly not well. Don't spread it around the entire squad.
0: There's only one. Uh, Ian must have had a few beers on Saturday, I think. Um, that's the only explanation. Uh, Steve Murphy says on Twitter: more Murphs. more garbage served up by Jurassic Curl. He blamed having two centre backs. Yeah, he blamed having two centre backs out as part of the problem, even though the turn dog hasn't played in that position for weeks. Clueless manager who treats the fans like idiots. The human bollard up front offered nothing yet again. <laughs>
1: <laughs> now, I would like to make the point here. Obviously, he said there that that the turn dog hasn't played in that position, i.e., centre back, for weeks. But Kel still has a point in the fact that. With Charlie Gould out, then he clearly would have played Turnbull in defence. But because Turnbull was suspended, he therefore couldn't, and so therefore there were two centre backs out of the squad and unavailable.
3: There was also one on loan uh, in Kattrin not playing a game. Child. Indeed.
4: But they didn't they say that it was too late to recall him because Charlie Gould only rang in at ten o'clock in the morning.
0: Yeah, <clears throat> Jay Williams yeah. was at the game. He was in the he was in the stand.
1: That oh, was
4: must he? have been
1: yeah. so frustrating. Was he was he sat next to Michael Jacobs and
0: Steve Morrison and Paul Anderson? Hello. and Les Ferdinand oh. and was oh. oh. Les, Les, Les Ferdinand there? Gary Megson. Les Ferdinand was there the other week. Was he? Yeah, as a as a guest. <laughs> get him as in. a guest of Kelvin Thomas, I believe. <laughs> oh right, so not
1: not scouting. I love Kelvin Thomas's random.
0: <laughs> <laughs> He's failed to get Shaq. Oh, Les will do. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Imagine Big Les
0: rolling on. <laughs> Rolling on, right? It's not like some tumbleweed. Has he put on a bit of timber, as he. <laughs> yeah. uh, Daniel Adams. <laughs> got Daniel. Daniel Adams on Twitter says, "A crap day Daniel. out at Six Fields with the worst atmosphere I've ever experienced."
1: Oh,
4: I, I don't agree with that. I mean, the atmosphere was bad, but not bad, bad.
0: Did he go to Wembley in 2013? I've experienced many worse mm. atmospheres than Saturday. Me too. Uh, Kieran on on the Twitter. Hi, why on earth did? Why on earth did he bring off our two strikers when 1 0 up? Well, while well, well, 1 0 down, sorry. We'll never know. Also, Lines and Warburton will never add anything to the team unless we keep the ball on the floor. Both technically gifted players who need the ball at their feet to make an impact. And, Kieran, that is postbag message of the week from me.
1: Lovely stuff. Well, look, uh, we're running out of time. So, uh, we did ask for some positive um, news or views. Uh, on Facebook and Twitter before we started recording tonight. Um, there, there's, there's been a couple, hasn't there, guys? We have
3: some Facebook messages, Charles. You, you might not be able to believe it. Really? On on the Facebook? The, the Facebook has, has come alive with at least well, three messages. Well, let's hear them, Danny. Uh, so Marcus Alley has said... So this is talking about the positives now. Uh, Marcus Ali has uh, said, Ryan Watson's recovery looks like, looks like it's going well. Good. That's his positive. Uh, Tom Mark Foster has said we've got three fit goalkeepers. Definitely
1: a positive. Yeah, um,
3: you know. Uh, Peter Williams just says yes. Um, I think that was the answer to your doom. And, it can't all be doom and gloom, can it? Question. He said yes. <laughs> so it's not technically a positive, is it? Uh, Jordan Collins has said I'm very optimistic. Always. Jordan Collins has actually started with a star emoji. Um, and he said, I'm very optimistic, and Keith, we trust. Give it time, and it will come good.
0: Very
3: good. Um, and we've got our friend Mike Fuller. Jordan Collins'
0: profile picture, he looks like Cliff Richard. <laughs> Hi, Jordan. Thanks for listening. I'm sure you're lovely. Carry on, Daddy. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I
3: was trying to think of a Cliff Richard pun in there, but I can't think of any. <laughs>
1: Mistletoe, wine? Uh, She's Mike, just I- a devil woman. Neither of those fits. Carry on. <laughs>
3: Concerning, Charles. Summer um, holiday? No, no comment. Um, Mike Fuller has said, am I allowed to post a tweet on Facebook? Which he then follows by tweeting, by Facebooking a tweet. So that answers his question. <laughs> Hi, Mike. Um, He thought it was a positive that we tweeted out the four goals to choose from in the goal of the month category. Um, and the club just tweeted the same thing about a few hours later.
1: (laughs) It Um, was quite funny, that, wasn't it? That was his positive. Hi, hi, Gareth, if you're listening.
3: (laughs) And uh, um, Ian Rice as well, he's come up saying, we're still in business, we won't go down and we have some good young players. Great. So that was Ian Rice's take on it. Uh, He carries the favour of everybody on Facebook (sighs) by...
0: I think Mike's point was the fact that this time last year we hadn't actually scored enough in September to choose four goals.
3: Yeah, no, that's true. Actually. That was that's Mike's point. You did him a
0: disservice, yeah. Danny.
3: Yeah, could I add a positive as well? You can try. Um, the, the West Stand finally has card machines. Yay! After much debate, many an evening spent in the open forums moaning about it, um, we've got card machines in the West Stand. So I bought my uh, bovril with my car. Did they work I had okay?
4: Bovril on Saturday as well.
3: Um yeah, first first use was good, and that set me off in a good mood, so um pretty much the highlight of the day apart from our half time huddle.
0: It was a it was a good half time huddle, wasn't it?
4: It was great, wasn't it?
0: It was. Good huddle. I think we should end the post back there, shouldn't we? I think so too, yes. Thank you, Neil. But a sterling job as usual. As always, you can send us your thoughts, views, abuse, praise, whatever you want to do on the Twitter. Just search Cobblers to Me and also on the Facebook. We are on there and we do have our own website, don't we, Charles?
1: Uh, We do. It's Cobblers to Me dot com. I'm Chris
2: Freestone and it's all Cobblers to Me.
1: Right, time to find out the winners of September's Goal and Player of the Month awards now. Uh, Starting with Goal of the Month, there were four to choose from, as Danny and Mike pointed out just a moment ago. Um, As usual, and a couple of Corkers were there to boot, which is brilliant. Ashley Corkers. Indeed. In last place, with 13% of the vote, was Harry Smith's header against Stevenage. Unsurprising, I'd say, that he was last. Uh, Followed closely with 14%, this is surprising, uh, Andy Williams' effort against Newport. In second place was Super Sammy Hoskins and his tap-in to finish off that superb team goal. Um,
3: Well, 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 a tap-in?
1: Well, it was a tap-in. It's not how I saw it, Charles. (laughs) Yeah, well... There you go. Uh, 29% <laughs> voted for that one. And that just leaves our winner. So with 43% of the vote, unsurprisingly, was Sean McWilliams's splendid half volley against Crawley. And that is the winner of September's Goal of the Month award for the podcast and for the football club because they decided to do the same poll with the same four goals. <laughs> well done, McWazzup.
3: Was it the same winner?
1: It was the same winner, yeah. Same outcome. Uh, well done, uh, Sean, for that one. Um, Sean was also up for our Player of the Month award. Um, Jordan Turnbull was named the winner. He received 45% of your votes, having scored twice in the game against Morecambe and for just having great hair. Jordan is well-deserving of the award, I think. Um, Sean McWilliams McWazza! was second. <laughs> Andy Williams, third. And Chris Lines fourth. We'll announce our nominees for the October Awards at the end of the month. Right then, joining us this week to tell us all you need to know about Scunthorpe United is Paul Crute of the Scunthorpe Telegraph. Hi Paul, welcome to It's All Cobblers To Me. It's fair to say that last season probably wasn't the best for Scunthorpe, ending in relegation, and this season hasn't started much better. So what's the deal at Glanford Park? I think at the start of this season, uh, I think
2: it was just a hangover from last season there's obviously been a lot of change during the summer uh, obviously the new manager coming in um, he's bought, he's wanted to bring his own players in so we've had 11 new players join during the summer and I think it's just taking a bit of time time to gel really we've also had dreadful luck with injuries we've had I don't think we've had a settled side yet um, we've had people like Lee Novak been out Kevin Van Veen's been out. Uh, Matthew Lund's now suspended, so we've not been able to get a settled team. But in the last few weeks, there's been a few signs of pro progress and recovery. We drew with uh, Bradford a couple of weeks ago when we played um, for 70 minutes with 10 men after Matthew Lund got sent off. Uh, Saturday just gone, we drew with Plymouth. We were one nil up. We then conceded. two two on down with about 12 minutes to go and then popped up with a 93rd minute equaliser so I think those two results even though there weren't wins there's definitely definitely signs of improvement there and there's a lot more positivity feeling the positivity around the place at the moment and there's a feeling we can the wins are just around the corner and we will we will climb the league.
1: So yeah despite those Poor performances. I mean, you've only lost twice at home this season: two uh, nil on the opening day against Swindon, one nil against Carlisle. But that was also way back at the end of August. So uh, you've not done really badly, I wouldn't say. Especially considering how early in the season we are. I, I mean, is it all just down to that hangover of relegation that you
2: mentioned? I think mostly, yeah. Um, I mean, some there were calls when we were when we still hadn't won after about eight games. The, the murmuring started coming out. You know, is is Paul Hurst is Paul Hurst the right man for the job? Um, and I think people were just saying, first of all, it's only eight games in the season, and the second of all, the number of managers we've gone through over the last four or five years. We need we just needed some stability. The chairman came out, I think after the defeat at Mansfield, and he says, "Paul Paul Hurst has got my back in. This is a long term two two year plan," and he he felt the results were we're getting better, the performances will get better and at, at the moment they are um, I think we just we just need to turn these draws into wins because although we are now scoring and we're not conceding as many as we were um, there the all seems to be just maybe a defensive mistake in there now and again if you, if you can just cut those out and keep scoring at the rate we are um, we should be able to start picking up a, a few wins
1: so, how are the fan base taking it at the moment? I mean, Northampton's fan base at the moment are quite um, down in the dumps, let's say. Um, and we've won many more games than you have already this season.
2: Um, I think the fan base. I think they are. They're, they're again. They're starting to see the improvement. And I, I know I've sort of mentioned it already, but that that's what it is at the moment. It's just seeing the improvement. It was pretty. I think we've just. Last, from last season and coming into this season it was just about, there was a very negative vibe around the place you know nobody was enjoying watching the football you never enjoy watching your team when they lose but there's just a little bit of positivity coming back just around the terraces and we had well 110 fans went down to Plymouth on Saturday for, for, that, for that journey <laughs> it's it's uh, very good for a t- town of our size, and they're were, they were rewarded with um, rewarded with something on the way back. And like I said, the Bradford game that seems to have possibly been a turning point. That's when you felt a bit more positivity come back. So yes, it was it was not great at the start of the season,
1: but it's starting to get better. You mentioned um, our friend Kevin Van Veen before. Um, how's he been this season? Has he been moaning about being back in League Two at all? <laughs> It's been a bit hard
2: to judge Kev this season because uh, just before the start of the season, Paul Hurst said he was on the periphery of the first team. Um, I think Paul Hurst had seen what, what has been said about Kev before, that yes, he's capable of scoring brilliant goals, but it's always his work rate that gets called into question. But then two, two or three games into the season, he, he got injured and was out for... Um, a couple of months he's only recently come back but he scored two against Grimsby in the EFL trophy and he scored a couple more in the league um, he missed last he missed last week against Bradford because of rib injuries and that was still affecting him slightly um, on Saturday but he he did have a couple of good chances he, he should have scored he missed uh, quite an easy chance um, which could have put a different complexion on the game but I think He's realised he needs to work. Maybe Paul Hurst has been the manager to finally get that work rate open. Because Hurst has been saying, and he said this openly, he says, "I'm not surprised when Kev scores a 25-yard screamer because we all know he can do that. But it's his work rate that he needs to work on. And at the moment, that seems to have seems to have got into Kev. But he's got to do that on a consistent basis. He can't come in and score." You know, work hard for one or two games, and then you know go missing for five or six. He's got to come in and do it consistently. He, if he can do that, we'll we we'll maybe see, we maybe realise the potentially he has.
1: Well, no doubt he'll score a hat trick on Saturday. Then judging by <laughs> that, um, what are your thoughts on Northampton Town as a whole? Um,
2: when I looked at you during pre-season, uh, you obviously made a lot of headlines because you. Made a lot of lot of signings early on in the early on in the summer. There was, mm. I know, there was about you know it seemed every week there was a new player coming through the door at Sixfield <laughs> and the quality of player that you brought in seemed to be decent. So, I was expecting you to be um, in and around the playoffs, and I'm maybe a bit surprised that you that you're down in 14th at the moment. I, I just thought you maybe would
1: have maybe would have been doing a bit better. Uh yeah you and me both, Paul. to be honest with that um so Saturday sees the first fixture of the season between our two clubs. um what are your thoughts on the upcoming game
2: um I think with our with our recent improved performances and the fact that we're at home um I think we can probably get i think we can probably get a win. I know the fans fans will be expecting a win there they they would were, when we played Plymouth, you know there was a there was a feeling we could have got the win you know there's been a couple of other games where we felt we we could have got three points rather than one but i think i think with the improved performances I, i'd probably go for a for a two two win on saturday
1: oh lovely okay then right uh, is there anyone apart from kevin van veen that we should maybe look out for
2: um if he's playing um ryan colclough um because uh he was one of our best players last last season but then he Suffered a cruciate ligament injury in November, so he was out out for the rest of the season. He's they've used him sparingly at the start of the season, where he's just coming back to fitness. But he has um, played the last two or three games in nearly ninety minutes in all of them. He he did come off on Saturday, but uh, Paul Hurst doesn't think it's too serious. But he looks to be getting back to where he was last season. He's what you know, he's, he's a winger who. Run it, his man, take on his man and produce decent cross. So when you've got him on the ball, he always always looks dangerous. So he's definitely one to look out for um, if he's playing.
1: And and just remind us your prediction again,
2: please, Paul. Um, 2-1 to Scunthorpe.
1: Thanks to Paul of the Scunthorpe Telegraph. Uh, So, Neil, we've got a bit of an apology to make, haven't we, after last week and the preview? Have we? A little bit. Um, What? We I, about? Uh, well, um, I, I do believe that last week you came up with some, and I must admit, some fantastic stats and facts about um, the the town of Leightonstone.
0: <laughs> lovely place, lovely place. Yeah. Unfortunately, Leighton <laughs> yeah. don't play there. <laughs>
1: yeah, exactly.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's Leighton.
1: It's just Leighton. Yeah, it's just Leighton. Yeah. Thanks to the Orient Outlook podcast for letting us know. (laughs) So um, with that in mind, um, I'm going to go to you, Neil, about Scunthorpe with, um, well, let's just say I'm going to close my eyes and wish for the best.
0: I'll tell you, I've got some corkers this week. Go for it, mate. Obviously, Scunthorpe famously playing Skegness. Um, (laughs) That's first up for you. (laughs) Good good (laughs) fact. Skig, 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 did you skig, know skig, skig, skig. i did not well you won't know this did you know in scunthorpe uh, that backwards that they call roundabout circles and that's not a joke they actually just call them circles <laughs> what i oh, know if that if that's actually that's right. true that is true it's on the internet it must be <laughs> Exceptional. no joke they call they call they, roundabouts is too difficult for them so what should we call them? we'll call them circles that's what they are we'll call them circles <laughs> <laughs> they also they also call you know uh, alleys you know like in in the town center there's an alley next to mcdonald's as alley, yeah there's, there's a you know an alley that leads somewhere you know what an alley is right alley Ma- Coist. Ali mobile, yeah. I'm going down <laughs> one yeah, now, yeah, Danny. So. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> 50 P Lil. <laughs> <laughs> so they, they they also call Ali's ten foot. What? I don't know. This is all factually accurate, by the way.
4: But actually, is like he is mechanism? right. I've just googled it. They do call I Told you. see, TV my facts
0: <laughs> cannot be denied. <laughs> 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 just
3: sat um, um it unconfirmed
0: turn left <laughs> unconfirmed uh, what other what other stuff have I got for you um, I've got another one for you did you know that Scunthorpe is the least romantic place in Britain
1: <laughs> yes I did know that
0: good have you I've been, been to Scunthorpe but not for romantic
1: reasons <laughs> um, hence why it's not romantic <laughs> you haven't booked
3: your honeymoon there it was it was yeah. on the short list <laughs>
0: I'm just imagining that conversation (laughs) between you and Polly now. Right, I've got a couple more. (laughs) Now, they've also got three McDonald's, two KFCs, uh, but there's only one Burger King.
3: Well, there is only one Burger King. It's a very Scunthorpe version of the 12 Days of
0: Christmas, isn't it? It is. It is. It absolutely is. Um, They've got uh, a famous club, famous in Scunthorpe anyway, called the Pepper Lounge, um, which is famous for... What they call Grab a Granny Nights, <laughs> right? Uh, they also have. Do you remember when we used to have Time and Envy? I do. Yes. Uh, th- they have got time. They don't have envy. And, well, who does have envy of Scunthorpe? But they've got they've got time.
1: <laughs> oh dear!
0: I, I love um, the fact that they never got updated to a lava and ignite. Not much else, to be honest. Uh, uh, Scunthorpe, famous for steelworks, obviously. Hence the nickname.
3: Graham Taylor.
0: Scunthorpe, yeah.
3: Yeah, he's from there.
1: Good. Uh, Any other famous people? Have you managed to find any?
3: Not many other people, really. Um, Ian Collins from TalkSport. I don't know who that is. Um, Neil Cox, the assistant manager of Wimbledon. Oh. Um, Oh, Howard Devoto from the Buzzcocks. Oh. it's probably it's quite famous um ian matthews from Fairpoint, uh, fairport convention and uh that's about it really it's not
0: can i just just say that i i, I mean, we know we've not been doing this little segment for long mm. but scunthorpe is the most boring one yet when when i do this research <laughs> and look into places usually there's a fair bit of information i've really struggled with scunthorpe <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> one of the one of the key notes is that uh, the scunthorpe co-op junior choir from surprisingly from <laughs> scunthorpe won the title of bbc radio 3 choir of the year 2008 that, what a fact <laughs> that's one of the big facts <laughs> about scunthorpe so and okay. that's under their culture section so <laughs> there's not much going on there <laughs> I'd say get up there for the football and get out
1: Okay, well, let's actually go to the football then. Um, Last time out, the iron drew two all the way at Plymouth Argyle. Uh, Now, I don't wish to alarm you guys, but the last time the Cobblers beat Scunthorpe was in April 2007. Uh, The game is actually best remembered for one moment. Can any of you remember what that was? Ooh, when was it? April
3: 2007. That was that was the game, if I remember right, where we had a march from the town into Sixfield, wasn't it?
1: Uh, it was. You are correct.
3: Yes, Danny. It was well a last-minute winner from Michael Jacobs, was it? Uh, Bradley, Bradley Johnson. Johnson. Bradley Johnson. Sorry, wrong wrong old-time player. But yeah. Wrong <laughs> <All right, laughs> yeah. name. It was that from day, wasn't it? That was League One, wasn't it?
1: It was League One, yes. You're right, <laughs> yeah. That was yeah. good. A last One minute Bradley Johnson volley, if I remember, from a corner.
3: Mm. Yeah, because oh. they were just about to go up as well, weren't they? They they were came with all their balloons and yeah, and uh, I was about to say graffiti, but that's not right. <laughs> 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 they came with their confetti. It, that was a, a it. was tape, kind of like a longer watch. version. It's like a longer version of the Grimsby game, but like, dragged <laughs> yes. out through the whole game. So they thought they were going to go up, and we scored the last minute and sent them packing.
1: Indeed. Um, anyone want to have a stab at the year in which the Cobblers won their last game against Scunthorpe away from home? Nine- Nineteen seventy-two. <laughs> nope. Nineteen eighty. Oh, Daniel! It's almost as if you looked it up on Google.
0: You cheeky <laughs> rascal!
1: <laughs> there
3: was that game where it was four-four, was not there? Remember that when when we were like four? Were we four-nil or four-one down?
1: I I, I don't know.
4: I wasn't born. And it finished-
3: <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, when was the four four?
3: Four four 2008. Was it? Yeah,
1: I don't remember.
3: They, yeah, they, they were probably they were, just. I remember that. No, up. Yeah, I remember that. Up on the 50, fifty-one yeah. minutes, then Giles Coke, Danny Jackman, and uh, Danny Jackman again. He scored from a corner, pretty much. Is it? Um, was that away from home? I mean, what a. I mean, a, a Coke and Jackman are two. I want to forget anyway that was away from home Charles yeah 4-4 four, four. Yeah. you
0: can guarantee that Scunthorpe were distracted by the the choir situation at that time it was the same same <laughs> year so.
3: Kyle Walker well, played for us that day
0: Oh, oh I love Stop
3: it! it as did, Danny. Uh, as did Leon Constantine.
1: Ah, oh, wow. oh, wasn't wasn't all good, Neil? Don't no. worry. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah So uh, you were quite right, Danny. Nineteen eighty was the last time that we won at Glanford Park. Um, so, what do we actually expect from the game on this coming Saturday? Then Scunthorpe are twenty second in League Two, and um, yeah, they've only won once this season. Brilliant. <laughs> Jesse, um, are you expecting a reaction from the Leonorian defeat? Absolutely
4: not. We're going to lose one
1: <laughs> now. I've not asked you for your <laughs> prediction <laughs> yet, but fair for t- just getting it. in there. <laughs> <laughs> no
4: Sorry. messing around. That's what's going to I happen. I enjoyed that.
1: Kevin Van Veen's going to score, isn't he? Of course he's going to score.
4: Yeah, absolutely.
1: And he's going yeah. to go wild with the celebration as well, isn't he? He's going, to, he's going to celebrate like he's just scored against Man United or something.
3: Like, um, was it Adebayor who ran the full length of the pitch to talk to Yeah.
1: yeah. Oh, nasty. It's going to be horrible, isn't it?
4: It's going to be horrific. And I'm very glad that Scunthorpe's a long Give way. Give
0: him a one new head start. Veen. there yeah. you go. <laughs> just done. put him
3: on the score sheet. <laughs>
0: um, yeah. I'm not expecting much, expecting much, to be honest. Yeah. Um, Turnbull will be back, I guess, and I assume Goode will be back. They've scored one less goal than us this season. It's not, no, it's not saying much. Uh, they have conceded eight more goals than us, so I guess there's scope there for us to to get a few. I don't know. I mean, it's hard, crack- isn't it?
1: It's hard. Well, they've lost seven and drawn four, but their home form. So Morecambe. Well, this is it. So there's that, and then there's also you know they they have only lost two of their those seven at home um their last home defeat was back on the last weekend of august so they've had a decent september but have pretty much drawn every home game that they've had apart from those other two so they're yet to win a game and they yeah it's it, it just doesn't bode well does it the way that we all know these things happen if a team is on a streak and they play the Cobblers, then invariably we help them stop that streak.
0: Yeah, exactly. Look at Morecambe's last five games. Lost, lost, lost. <laughs> drew with us, lost. <laughs> Late in Orient. Drawn, lost, lost, drawn. Beat us. Crawley. <laughs> won. Drew. Drew with us. Lost, lost. <sighs> Basically, we're... If you Like you said, Charles, if you want to get a result, play us.
3: It's a weird one, isn't it? Because they've got that Paul Hurst in charge, haven't they? Who, was, who took a up and did pretty well for them. Mm. Um, and, they, and he's come in over the summer. I thought they'd be right at the top and challenging, I think. But they look like they've had a similar kind of season to what we had last season, just not being able to shake off that, that um, relegation feeling, that losing feeling. And they, they just seem to be stuck um, quite far adrift Already, aren't they? In terms of like there's them, Morecambe, and Stevenage down with a bit of a gap to the to the rest of the league, and it's
0: they going have, to be tough
3: for them to, to fight back from it.
0: They have turned it around a bit. <clears throat> they, they had a really bad start, didn't they? Um, mm. And then they beat Morecambe 3 0, something we couldn't do. Um, they drew with Oldham, lost to Walsall, drew with Bradford, drew with Plymouth. So they're on the right tracks. So they've also signed Jamie Ward, haven't they? On a who was out of mm. contract, I think. Yeah, so I good yeah. yeah. So he'll no doubt score against us, I'd imagine.
1: Well, um, let's get predictions then. We've already had yours, Chessie, but just remind us what it was.
4: <laughs> One nil, Van Veen.
1: Okay, um, Danny, I'm going three all. Wow! <laughs> Is that in response uh, to the four all draw that you reminded reminded of us before?
3: It's yeah, it's in tribute to it. In tribute, <laughs> lovely goal scorers there i think uh nicky adams who got off the mark obviously van veen hattrick scumfield um nicky adams uh, sam hoskins and paul anderson
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh dear
3: um who um, is not john anderson from gladiators which disappointed me
1: oh it's a shame isn't it um right mine um i i, I think we're going to get back on track and uh we're going to back on cafe track Back on cafe track oh. indeed. Um, two goals apiece, I think. Um, That's getting back on track, is it? <laughs> well, well, back on. It'll be back on the uh, Yeah. Well, yeah, back on the back on the Desmonds. Um, <laughs> right. Okay. So uh, Ooh,
3: Chris Doig's there as well. Is he? Chris Doig's the assistant
0: manager.
1: Oh, I did not know that. Doiggy. A blast from the past, yeah. Two all draw, uh, Van Veen Brace, obviously. Um, and um, for, for us, um, Charlie Good's gonna score, um, as is um, Sean McWilliams, I think. Um, and uh, and that'll be it. Uh, and 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 yeah, I back on track with a draw,
0: Neil. Uh, 5 1 Scunthorpe. <laughs>
4: Things we laugh—that's not unrealistic. <laughs> to say
1: probably the most realistic of them all. <laughs> I
0: was going to—I pre- was going to predict a more positive result, but just while you were whittling on about the nonsense you were talking about, Charles, I had a had a quick look through <laughs> <So mean>. the. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I had a quick look through bullying. the <laughs> Uh I had a quick look through the Scunthorpe squad, and, uh, and I started to get a bit concerned and panicky. So I'm yeah, I'm going five-one Scunthorpe. <laughs> uh, who's going to get our goal? Uh, but, but Dane <laughs> Oliver is going to open his open his account
1: oh lovely okay well um, thanks very much guys that's brilliant we, we've run out of time for any other business this week unfortunately
0: R.I.P. AD The Boothroids
1: so that's all we've got time for this week don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to us we will be back next week oh Mm -hmm. oh hang on breaking news Uh, a quick congratulations to Steve Arnold whose uh, partner it seems is pregnant and uh, will be due to give birth in April Hmm. so uh, congratulations Steve and Mrs. Steve
0: nice he didn't keep that one out of the net did he thanks for listening goodbye
4: bye Ash
0: too good for League 2 Human Bollard
1: To join the fan club, go to patreon.com
0: forward slash cobblers to me.